Welcome to the Car Dealer Pro Podcast. Today we're going to be talking to John from JH Motors in Essex and we're going to be talking about how John went from having two cars at his studio flat to 20 cars and business premises in just five years. We'll be talking about the pitfalls of trading from home, stocking facilities, insurance, good debt, bad debt, the car dealer forums and why having good accounts helps you get ahead in the motor trade. Hope you enjoy the conversation. So good evening, John. Hi David, how's things? Yeah, good thank you mate. So what type of stock do you hold? How many have you got? Um, I'm holding a bit of everything, Dave. To be honest, it's um, anything that's going to that's going to make a margin. I'm, I'm interested in ranging numbers, really, to as low as ten up to twenty at times. I can't ever get many more than that because you know what it's like. You sell them before they start coming back in again. So yeah, it's always found, you know in the terms any bread and butter stuff. You know anything that's going to sell well. Ideally, autos if I can. I know you like an auto. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they they specialise. You know, as you say, they 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 attract a certain type of customer, which normally is a bit easier to sell to, in my opinion. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, yeah, if I can't get the auto, I will. But you know, anything really. And so, with having like fifteen to twenty, how, how many will you normally sell in a good month? I normally sell fifty percent of what I'm holding. So. In, in a good month, I'm going to be doing 10 to 12 cars. That's good, that. That is good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I always work on quite good margins as well. I've, I've always, you know, tried hard to squeeze as much out as I can, you know, staying firm on the price um, yeah. as much as possible. And also quite a lot of the work myself. So if, if something needs doing here, I do all the balloting. If something needs doing here or there, I've learned over the years and invested in quite a lot of the equipment to do yeah. some of these things. Rightly or wrongly, you know, in many ways, I do look back at that and think I was a bit of a busy fool in my early days, yeah. um, getting involved with refurbing alloy wheels, blowing in sort of bumper corners, doing smart repair yeah. things. I know, but I learned how to do it and put all the equipment, you know, the compressor, the air yeah. lines and all that sort of thing. I enjoy doing it. It's just, I think, you know, sometimes it, it, that sort of thing took up too much time. Yeah, and, there's uh, only so many hours in the day, isn't there? There is, yeah. And I mean, again, earlier on, you know, you've got a little bit more time if you've got yeah. less stock. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't necessarily regret it. I think I've learned a valuable lesson, and obviously I've got that knowledge still now. And equipment, it's just, you know, it, it it does help now because I can save a few hundred here, a few hundred there, and that adds up over the month. You sell ten yeah. cars, you know. Yeah, when you first start out, you've got to look after the pennies. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not for everyone. You know, not everyone's going to be wanting to take on those little things, but. I had the time, as I say, so, you know, I took a bit of time to learn and it's paying off now. Oh, brilliant. And it's, how did you get started in the, the motor trade? Yeah, it's a, um, it's a funny story, that one. When when I left school, obviously at 16, I, I left school with, with pretty much nothing. I, I didn't have any qualifications, really. I had no sort of experience of anything, like most kids, I suppose, but I had no pro- prospects of going to college or uni or anything like that, so... I had to do something that was going to be relatively low earning at that time. And I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm not great at anything manual labor wise. I, I can't put a shelf up straight or anything like that. So it was going to have to be something retail. And um, I started working in like a, 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 like a shop locally that was selling white goods. Um, it was a family run business. Yeah. And uh, it kind of got me into retail and I was in front of, loads of 
people every day selling cheaper items here and there. And I, I got familiar with working with the public, which was invaluable. But I wanted to try and earn some more money. And there was this reputation, if anybody's listening to this, that is in that sort of position in retail, looking to get into the motor trade. There's this reputation that selling new cars or, or cars in general is like the you hit the jackpot if you're selling cars in retail. You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, you, there's this misconception that that's not where the money is. It, it just, you know, and eventually I, I, I was handing my CVs out to some of these main dealers. Yeah. And it wasn't going anywhere, Dave. I just wasn't getting a call. I wasn't getting anything. And, you know, I'd been working in this little shop for a few years. I wanted to try and get somewhere with a little bit more status, you know, like in a nice yeah. glass showroom or something like that. <laughs> and um, eventually I went to a recruitment firm that was sent, that was just for automotive. So these places do exist. And it was, as I say, it was an automotive recruitment firm dealing with people, you know, in the retail side of the most trade or mechanics. And uh, I went for a meeting with them and they said, you know, what do you want to do? I said, I want to sell cars. And they said to me, it was like an interview, they said, ideally, if you could work anywhere, where would it be? I told them there was this Ford branch local to me that I wanted to sell cars. It looked the part, you know, it would have been great to get a job in there. And he said, oh, I know the, 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 the boss there. And yeah, I got an interview the next day and I, I had to do a couple of interviews there actually, but ended up getting the job. And um, that was my sort of way into the most trade, if you like, starting to sell new cars. Didn't do used cars there. There was a separate site for used cars. Selling new cars, had my company car and that, you know, and things were pretty good to start with. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was my way in. And where, where how, did, how did you start then? What, what was the first car that you bought? Um, <laughs> you always remember the first ones, don't you? Though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the first one for me was, it, it was crazy. It, it, when, when it happened... I just knew that that was it. I, I knew this, yeah. all that thinking I'd done about um, how I was going to get out of this kind of bubble that I was in. It was all put to rest. Really, what happened was I was obviously working at Ford at the time, and I was I, I'd just been paid, so I had my my wages in my bank account, but I obviously had my rent and things to pay for. Um, but not for a couple of weeks. So I knew if I was going to have a go at buying a car. I had a couple of weeks to turn it around before my bills were coming out. I know that sounds crazy <laughs> yeah. because that could, because that's so dangerous and such a dangerous thing to do. But you've got to remember I was desperate. So I was thinking like, I've got to do something and taking risks at that point was my only option. Yeah. And um, I started sort of trawling through the classifieds like you do on the internet. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget it. I can't remember where it was. I can't remember whether it was Gumtree or Facebook Marketplace or whatever, but I saw it was one of the first cars I looked at on the classifieds. It was a Fiat Grande Punto, yeah. a 2009. It had done 50-odd K, a couple of owners. Uh, it was the 1.4 petrol manual, and it had air con, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I just remember it. favourite one, that. I quite like yeah. them. I saw a lot of them. Yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. It was yeah. either black or grey. I can't remember. It was black. The advert price was £1,000. I didn't know that was whether, cheap, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't know at the time whether that was cheap or because you know you got to remember. I, I had no idea. I, I, or even working at Falls, we did our appraisals on the part exchanges. Us as salesmen, we weren't allowed access to cap valuations or glasses guide or anything like that. That was all the job of the manager. All we had to do was appraise the car as best as we could on a clipboard with the, the the forms that they gave us and then go in to see the manager and he'd write the price down on the form and that's what our allowance would be on that part X. 
so I didn't know and I had no access of gaining the price. All I could do was go over to, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you go on to AutoTrader as a private seller, you can type the reg and the mileage and it will tell you almost immediately what the retail, well, what the private selling price of that car is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're still doing that myself. Yeah, all the yeah, time. All right. so you know it, <laughs> yeah. it gives you an idea, doesn't it? So yeah, I did definitely. that. It said that the, the private selling price was two and a half thousand. So I thought, well, even if I sell this car for 1,500 quid, buy it for a grand, you know, 500 pounds to someone who isn't earning a lot of money as it is, um, you know, you know what it's like, that's that's big money. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, even if I sell that for 15, I'm probably going to be on the right side of things and I can sort of prove to myself and everybody else that I'm onto something that might potentially work. So I was at work at the time and it was my lunch break coming up. So I phoned the lady. I said to her, you know, I'm phoning about this punzo. And she said, um, yeah, no problem. She's only around the corner. So I drove around here in my company car. I went to have a look at it. And I had no idea. I'd done no checks on the uh, mileage. You know, you can go on the MOT history and stuff. <laughs> I can't have a look at it. I'd done nothing. So this thing, looking back, it was so dangerous. And I wouldn't recommend this to anybody yeah. today. But, you know, we do these things. We've got no idea. Yeah, I saw it. Drove it. It was all good. Chipped her down to 900. Okay. And um, I took it with me. I left my company car around there. <laughs> I um, I drove it back to work. It wasn't a Cat D or Cat C at that point. No, to be on, no, to be honest, I, I missed that bit out. That, that was the only thing. Because it could does check. sound cheap. It sounds like a it does, yeah, bag. no, yeah. But I'll, I'll find out. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But the one thing I could check was the HBI report because we had our the HBI reports on our computers at work. That, that fall, they didn't care whether we were running out. They, they, they didn't care how many HPI checks we did on yeah. they obviously had an account with just like an unlimited amount of checks I don't know how it worked but they didn't care so I would run a few of these through there just to do my checks beforehand but as I say this was the first one I'd even looked at so you know it, I thought it was dead easy went around there chipped it to 900 took it with me took it back to work parked it around the corner because I didn't obviously want to drive it into their car but they'd wonder what was going on <laughs> parked it around the corner when I got out of the car I had my got my phone out and I did like a quick walk around video of it. I just literally didn't, just didn't, you know, I didn't even turn the phone onto the side and do a problem. It was literally just 30 seconds, quick walk yeah. around. And then I went inside, sat at my desk, carried on with what I was doing. And um, I thought while I'm sitting here and I'm sort of waiting for someone to come in or whatever, I started knocking up an advert on Gumtree for it. So I thought I'll type a bit of text. I'll do whatever I've got to do to get an advert. And I thought I haven't got any pictures. I looked at this video that I had on my phone and, you know, like, you can pause it on the video and then take a screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> like a snapshot, screenshot. <laughs> snapshot, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like on your iPhone, if you push the buttons at the side, it does like, yeah. it does like a screenshot. I did that. I got around to the front of the car on the video, screenshot it, so I had a picture at the front, and I put that onto the advert, and it was just, <laughs> it's the worst advert. I can't believe it. Even thinking about it now, it was shocking. It was one picture, no interior pictures, no nothing, just a bit of description, and I thought, all I want to really get from this is just an idea of how this advertising works. Am I going to be able to see yeah. how many ad views I've got? Yeah. Am I going to get any phone calls? How is it going to work? So I thought, I'll put it up at two and a half grand to start with, because that's what Auto Trader is saying should do. I'll just do that and just see how it all plays out. Anyway, work finished, and I got walked around the corner, got into my car, drove around to my mum and dad's house, because I'd already told my dad what I was going to do. I said to him, I'm going to try and make some money doing it. And I pull up outside, and the, I, I rung the doorbell, and dad comes out. I said, oh, look, I've, you know, I said I was going to buy some uh, car. And he said, yeah. I said, I bought that Fiat Punto over there. A Fiat Punto? What are you doing buying a Fiat Punto for? 
And I said, oh, yeah, but, you know, he said, uh, if you're going to buy a car to sell, you buy something people actually want to buy, like yeah. a full Fiesta. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. uh, I was like, no, 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 I mean, you know, I can't come about, you know, they, they don't come about that easily. <laughs> this this was my only option. And he was like, oh, you're never going to sell that. Well, no, I mean, no one buys a Fiesta. <laughs> And I started to think, oh no, he's right. You know, who buys a just, Honestly, friends, family, just anything, just it, the best thing is just to keep it yourself. That's what I've yeah. learned. Because, yeah, well, look, you know, your, your, your friends and family, like my, when I first started, you know, I was buying like Hyundai Getters. And my mates, they were like ripping the piss out of me. If I wasn't yeah, longer minded, I would have just give up. But I thought, you know, there's money in this. If there's money, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a, yeah. a bloody three-wheeler car, does it? As long no, as there's money. No, that's in. it. And that was my point exactly, is that, you know, you, I'm not buying it for myself. I'm buying this to try and make money on. And um, literally, while I was there, I was just about to drive off. My phone rings, and it's someone that's seen the advert on Gumtree. Oh, brilliant. And, and this guy says to me, uh, yeah, I'm phoning about the, the pudding zone. I was like, yeah, yeah. And he said, have you still got it? I said, yeah, I've only, you know, advertised it today. Um, he said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm right near where, you know, the location says on the advert. Can I come over in about half an hour to have a look at it? So I was thinking, well, this isn't bad. You know, this is how it normally works. You know, you advertise <laughs> a car, two hours later, someone's ringing it. And I said, yeah, fine. So I took it home. You've got to remember, I hadn't cleaned it. I hadn't backed yeah. it out. I haven't done anything. I haven't MOT'd it. I it had about 10 months MOT on it, if I remember rightly. And um, the guy turns up. He, only, he walked around from the corner because he literally lived it few roads away from where I was living at the time yeah no test drive no nothing and he bought it and he bought it full up two and a half thousand oh, and took brilliant. it with him well, what and was that feeling like that first car it, crazy I, I couldn't believe it I, I honestly didn't think that it was even real I, I thought this was going to be a wind up or something I just couldn't <laughs> believe because I'd, I'd, at this point by the time I'd paid for a couple of days temporary insurance on it yeah I was you know I was just under 1600 in profit on that one car oh, that's amazing for your first car was that happy. is unbelievable yeah i mean i, I was happy with 500 and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know with the 16 that was it you know I, I had a spring in my step after that i thought well if this is how it works i've been missing a trick for all these years yeah. and um, that was my that was my first experience so once you'd done that did you think right i need to get some trade insurance now was that was that sort of your next mm, step not really because I'm, I'm always quite cautious with everything. I think all the way through my career so far, particularly being self-employed, I've always sort of double and triple checked every decision that I've made. And um, back then I was still cautious that this might not work. There might be something I'm missing. And I was happy to just, if I was going to sell the cars the same day I was buying them, which is what I thought I was going to be doing. Because <laughs> no, it had happened with that fun time. Yeah, yeah. I thought, well, I'll just buy two or three days insurance at a time you know, I can take it as and when I need it. You've got to remember at this point, I still had a job. So yeah. I didn't really need, in my mind, the insurance would have only been there if I was going to start turning over serious numbers of cars rather than just one every month yeah. or whatever. So what, what did you do then? What was your, your next step? Um, the next step was to try and find more like that. Right. That was, at that point, I thought, because you've got to remember, it was so lucky. It was the, one of the first ones I'd clicked on. It was the first one I'd seen. I sold it the same day that I bought it. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. Thinking back, you know, that just doesn't happen, does it? I mean, it's particularly not as a trader. We, we rarely sell cars the same day we get them. 
um, no. particularly not with £1,600 profit in it as no. well. So it, it, no. it was rare, even for someone selling as a private seller like me. Yeah, it, um, it was meant to be, wasn't it? It was, yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. And it carried on from there, Dave. It was, that, that, you know, I didn't get anything quite as lucky as that moving forward, but I did quite a few like that where I was buying them from people I knew. Um, I knew a few people who had cars that they just didn't want anymore and they were looking for someone to buy them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know what that's about. You know, you've been discussing it recently. But, yeah, I was just doing that, buying a few, and I really was just looking to make a few hundred on each one. You know, that's, that 1,600 yeah. was just a nice, a nice touch. But some of the others, I was buying some KAs, um, a couple of Oxford Sephiras. I was just doing them as and when in my spare time over the period of a couple of months. And um, where it went from there was really, it was getting to the stage after I'd done three or four, that's when I took on insurance because right. I could see like a plan for me um, and I could see this actually working. So I thought, well, I've earned some money. Um, you know, I'm not really that concerned about where my next sort of paycheck's going to come from because I thought I was onto a winner with this. You know, if I wanted some money, yeah. I would just go out and buy a car and ask how I felt it was going to work. And I took on trade insurance, which, which eased, eased the pressure a bit because obviously then I didn't have that concern of having to try and get temporary insurance. Or if someone phones me, if a friend of my mum phones me and says, I want, you know, is he interested in buying our little Fiesta 500? I don't want to have to start yeah. messing about with insurance. I could have just gone around and collected it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, that kind of thing really sort of aids in the, the whole process. Um, but yeah, insurance was my next step. And once I got that, I knew that um, it was inevitable, really, that I was going to be leaving work to do this for myself. Do you think you could have done this when you were 19, 20? Or do you think you started? No chance. How old were you when you started selling cars then? Well, I'm I'm 33 now. This was when I was 27. This was, you know, but I think I often think about that, what you were just saying about a certain age of, you know, whether you would be ready for this sort of thing or not. And, I think at a younger age, I just wouldn't have been able to take on that kind of pressure of yeah. not getting paid at the end of the month, you know, like you do if you're on a PAYE job, for example. Even if you're working commission or, a lot, you know, wages is based a lot around commission, you're still going to get some kind of basic. And yeah. most of the time, that's going to cover your, your rent or whatever. And your commission just sort of allows you to go out and do whatever you want to do. But when, you, when you're self-employed, that sort of daunting reality for the first couple of days that you're now not employed anymore. Um, you know, if you don't sell a car when you're first starting out in this self-employment, you just don't get paid, you know, and, and you get, you, no one's going to give you any handouts. And I don't think I could have dealt with that when I was in my early 20s. I think yeah. it would have been too much for me. I couldn't have taken it all on at the same time. Considering, you know, when you're young, when you're that age, you've still got that type of, you're still doing those type of things that a 20, 21 year old wants to do, go out, you know, drink, do whatever they're doing. And I just wouldn't have been in the right frame of mind at that age. It was definitely came at the right time. Definitely. And it might, so it might be better, you know, the way I look at it, I, I look up to like traders that have been in this job for, for years, you know, cause there's so many traders that come and go, yeah. But there's some people, I know where I'm from in Middlesbrough, there's this trader who's been, his pitch has been there forever, you know. So if I was young, 18, 19, 
that's the person I'd be going to. I'd be going, I'd, I'd try and find a, an independent trader who's been there for years, a bit like a mentor, someone who you can sort yeah. of look up to and then yeah. get a little bit of experience from there. And also if yeah. you're in that type of place as well, they might give you some part exchanges to, to sell on the side and you, and you might have some insurance with them, you, you yeah. know, and, and then work it, it that way. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought about, I've, I've thought about that before. I mean, it's a dangerous thing sometimes asking people that have been around that long for advice because, you know, in this, in, in our trade in particular, things have changed so much over the past few years with regards to advertising online, sort of big pitches with flags and bunting are becoming yeah, less, yeah. you know, yeah. less common, if you like. Yeah. And a lot of it is now based around online advertising. And, um, you know, I, I, although I always respect everybody's advice and I'll, I'd always take it on, for somebody that's just starting out, I'd be a bit cautious about doing that because, you know, I, I've taken on quite a lot of my advice when I started and I think it slowed me down quite a bit because I wasn't necessarily looking at things the way that I should have been because I was so cautious and I yeah. listened to everybody and believed what everybody said. Yeah. And you're, it wasn't you're probably always... listening to too many people weren't yeah 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 and it's not always the best advice no everybody's different but um yeah the forums are brilliant that's that's for me that's changed it around for me you know going on these forums reading what a lot of the guys had to say making friends with these people as well um you know there's so many people on there that's that's miles ahead of where i am personally and also there's there's a lot of people that have done it in a much shorter time than what i have and I respect them people because that's just not, I can't do things like that. You know, I have to lay everything out on the table yeah. and take sort of steps, really like baby steps, if you like. And um, I respect people that you know, make things happen quickly, yeah. but um, that's just not me. But um, yeah, I mean, mate, I wouldn't want to put anyone off, but as I say, things happen for me quite slowly. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I tend to disagree with you, to be honest. You've, you've been doing it, what, five years and you've went from... <clears throat> So having a couple of cars on your front drive and now, now you've got what 20 cars and business premises that's that's really yeah. good in the space of five it years. is yeah yeah i mean I, I am i am proud of what's happened um it hasn't been easy as you know dave i mean you, you've gone through a lot of this yourself but what I, I have seen is that you know particularly again on the forums is that it has been done in half the time you know and people are in five years have got you know a bigger premises with, with 40 or 50 cars and and all I'm really saying is that there are, you know, better, there are people that have done a lot more in that time than what I have. But even so, you know, I am, I am happy just thinking back five years ago, I would have been happy to even survive in self-employment for five years, let yeah. alone, you know, be able to get a premises and do things like that. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a massive, uh, you've done brilliant, honestly. It's absolutely amazing. And I, I, I know where you're coming from because you do, you can look at the forums and just anything in life. You know, when you go at the auction, there's always some trading. Have you been busy? Yeah. Twenty cars last week. You know. <laughs> yeah. There's a, you've just got to not think the grass is always greener on the other side. You've got yeah, to do what, what suits you. And I yeah. think well, I've, I've a plan. I've I've sort of not, not an end goal, an exit yeah. plan. But for, for me, I like to think right in five years' time, this is what where I want to be and uh, when I first started doing this I actually like wrote all my goals down it's on my uh, 
on my computer. And I look back at yeah. them now and I think, flipping it, them, them goals were like just so lame. They were like the lamest goals in the world. And I, and I hit really? them. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at yeah. the time, though, when you wrote them down, they would have been a real achievement. Yeah, massive, massive. Definitely, definitely. It's a good feeling, though, isn't it? You know, when, when you do set them goals and not only achieve them, but achieve them in a, in a lesser time. Yeah. Um, the feeling is that's, for me, that's the motivation. You know, when, when you, you set something and you think, the chances of that actually happening is very slim, but I would love for that to happen in five years. Yeah. Um, and it actually happens in two years. You know, the motivation is, for me, I never thought I'd get a business premises. I honestly didn't. I, I never thought this was going to happen for me. I just, I thought I was always going to be stuck <clears throat> in this one bedroom flat selling yeah. cars and just trying to get by and, and, you know, and having and how- made the right decisions. How did you go from that then? When was the next step that you went from your from flat, flat to... Yeah, to the, the problem I had was the, the, where I lived there down that cul-de-sac I was telling you about, um, it wasn't long before the neighbours started to shut down what was happening because ultimately no one really wants to live next door to a motor trailer selling cars, particularly, <laughs> you know, this road, as I say, though, all the houses were detached. Um, the average age down there was probably late 50s. Most yeah. of the people were retired. The property prices down there were a fortune. Um, I, I, it was a nice place for me to live, you know, even though I was in that tiny little room, if you like. Um, it was lovely because it was quiet. I overlooked the countryside and that, and it was lovely. But I get it from the neighbours' point of view. They didn't particularly want someone who's renting off a room just slightly up the road, having yeah. all these cars you know, and people coming at all hours of the day, lifting the bonnets, slamming the doors, leaning on the hall. You know, you yeah. just don't want that. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was there literally once I left work to do this full time. I was there literally, I think it was another three or four months before they put the brakes on. And um, what happened was they, they all, there was like a, because it was a private road, they had like their own sort of council amongst those eight residents. Right, and one of them was like the chairman, if you like, and any complaints they went to that guy who lived at know, number <laughs> two or whatever, and <laughs> you can imagine. Were, were, were they you all like really nice with you during the day, or did you get some really? Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, to be honest, I didn't have any involvement with them because they, there was a lot of green area out the front, and it was all partly owned by all those residents. And twice a year, they all got together to cut it all back. to mow the lawns and all this and they were all quite a close-knit sort of thing and they didn't want a young kind of bloke renting uh, and you know it just it was fine while that's all I was doing but as soon as I started selling cars and they all had to look at it and hear it all day yeah they all kind of teamed together and went after the lady who owned the house who lived above me and they were just they were banging on the door they were being you know they were texting her and it all happened like overnight they almost attacked immediately all together were people parking the cars all over the place when they'd come to look at a car or was yeah it, it was awful i mean that's that's one thing that i will never forget and i'll, I'll never miss that yeah. is it doesn't matter what you do or what you say to people i'm talking about the customers that are coming they're always going to park over someone's drive yeah. on someone's drive anywhere it doesn't because as i said earlier it was double yellow lines everywhere up and down that road yeah. When people phoned and they said, oh, I'm looking at the cash car, I want to come and have a look at it today at four o'clock, I'd say, 
that's fine, but it's double yellow lines up and down the road. When you get here, can you just park on the drive and you'll save any problems from... It wouldn't have mattered. They never would have got a ticket, but I, I wanted to try and prevent them from annoying my neighbours. You know, I was really trying to not upset anyone. And it's all horrible. The, in, uh, it's horrible. It thing. is. Yeah. It's a thought process that you shouldn't really be having when you're trying to start a business. You know, you should be concentrating on making money and taking the next step. You shouldn't really be thinking, you know, I don't want my neighbours knocking on my door. I don't want the council coming around. It's just one less thing to worry about that is pretty pointless, really. But, you know, when, you, when you're in the early days, you've got no choice. You can't jump straight into a business no. process because it might not work. You've got to do what you've got to do. And, and did they get the council involved or anything like that? Uh, no, because the lady that owned the house, as soon as they started causing her a problem, uh, she just said immediately, I don't want you to do it anymore. And she was a lovely lady. And when I told her that's what I was going to do, she was fine about it. You know, she was, yeah. she was happy to help out in any way. She was such a lovely lady. And I was doing all the prep work around my mum and dad's house because they, they didn't live too far away. Dad was fine about me tinkering with things on the drive. And he's always been quite handy and enjoyed getting involved in that kind of thing. Um, so I just did all the prep. So I kept everything out of their way. I really did try my best down there to not upset any of the neighbours. I just, it's so difficult to do, you know. I, I really did try it, but after a couple of months, they cottoned on and um, my, my landlady said no. So I said to her, well, that's how I make money now. You know, if I, if I can't do it, yeah. I can't pay rent. You know, I, I just can't stay here. Yeah. And um, she was like, well, it was not, you know, she didn't want people phoning her and having a go at her all the time. So she wanted it to stop. And, um, I remember I, I went self-employed in August. I spent probably four weeks setting everything up. So that's you know, bank accounts, trade plates, yeah. um, auto trade, all that. And so I started trading probably at the end of September. By December, I'd been shut down. <laughs> so <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have much of a run. Um, and yeah, I just had to move out. I had to, I had to go and try and find somewhere. I knew I was still going to trade from home because I couldn't commit to a business premises. Right. Um, I had to go and try and find somewhere to trade where I wasn't going to get that problem. Did you find somewhere with plenty of room for enough cars? Um, no. See, that's, that, that's a common misconception, I think. I don't think it's all about the room. I think it's about like, the opportunity to sell cars. What, what happened after that was I knew someone who had tenants in their house. Um, but, yeah, they, were doing a, they had a buy to let. And um, it was a three-bedroom mid-terrace house that was down a walkway. Um, it didn't have a driveway, but he knew my situation. And he said, look, my tenants are moving out of there at the beginning of March, first of March, I think it was. Um, you're more than welcome to move in there, and I don't care what you do in there. You know, he said, if you want to sell cars from out the back, or whatever, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. Yeah. And I thought, well, it's an opportunity. Let's go and have a look. So we're going to have a look at it. And it turned out to be probably the best opportunity I could have had. And for anybody listening to this that's thinking about starting up in this game or, you know, they're thinking about maybe trading from home or whatever, um, if you can find somewhere where you're not overlooked by everybody, yeah. that's the ideal place. Because what it was, the way this house worked was it was a mid-terrace, cheap enough, you know, a bit more, more money than where I was living before, obviously, but it was a three-bedroom house, no driveway. But out the back, there was... Um, a service road that this house backed onto, along with loads of other houses. Yeah. And there was a garage like in the garden 
and backing onto the service rope. So when I was out the back, and I sold them from out the back of where the garage was at the out the back. I know it sounds really grim, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the beauty of it was, no one was overlooking the then what was going on out there. So it wasn't like they're going to get up in the morning, have a cup of tea, look out the window and see me out there with a load of blokes, like, you know, ripping the car apart. Yeah. It was, it was, that, that was still going on, but it was going on in this service road out the back. And that was the opportunity for me. It, it worked really, really well. I was there for three and a half years after that. Oh, brilliant. And it was, I sold hundreds and hundreds of cars from there. And, oh, um, it, it worked so well for me. I mean, I was, I had no choice though. You know, I, I was basically being shut down by my landlady. Um, I had a place to live, but I had nowhere to sell cars. I wasn't going to start trying to sell them from the side of the road. Um, the only issue was from this new place, this, this mid terrace place was that I had an issue of car storage because obviously I wanted to grow my business and I had nowhere to keep the cars. Yeah. So I had no driveway. Um, so I had to I had to tax them and start moving them around, you know, leaving them in the so roads. Cost cost you quite a bit of money that then, did it? On the tax, yeah. Yeah. But the way my dad always said it, you know, that was if you think about the amount of money I was saving paying for storage. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, but, but I, I, again, I was I was ultra cautious. I didn't ever leave two cars in the same road. I didn't line them all up somewhere where you know yeah. I irritated yeah. people. I twice a week for an hour on each day, I'd spend that time moving all the cars around, rotating them, making yeah. sure it wasn't irritating anyone because I knew what it was like and how quick I got shut down before. I know it was only by yeah. my landlady, but I didn't want that to happen again. I wanted to really try and make enough money where I can just leave it all behind and get um, like a premises somewhere. But yeah. at that time, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. I just had to do that. So, so yeah, you, you, you're building it up. It's all going good. So when was the, the big moment where you thought, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get some uh, business premises? Yeah, I, th- I thought that all the way along, really. I, I always felt as if that was the route I was going to take. It was just a case of finding the right time, you know. And uh, I always felt as if I was pretty sort of ready. I just, I wasn't sure. I just, I, I didn't know, but... Um, last year, I, I decided that I wanted to buy a house. I didn't want to rent anymore, and um, things were going quite good for me. And it, you know, it, it because of the work that we do, I was now in a position where I could buy a house and I could do the things yeah. I wanted to do. You know, that goal of mine originally when I was working at Falls had come true in many ways. I, I, I could now afford to do all these yeah. things that I wanted to do and I'd always dreamt of doing. And, and I think and, the best uh, thing you've done as well was getting an accountant early, yeah. early on. That, that's something I yeah. couldn't say is more important because... No, it was good because she's, you get them she accounts. keeps on me. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, know, yeah, just, you can buy a house, can't you? You can buy a house. Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, you can't do anything without accounts. You can't borrow money. You can't yeah. buy a house. Um but you know, when you're starting out, those sort of things are overlooked because you think, well, yeah, you know, I'm just yeah. going to do this, just want to do that. But as time goes on, those accounts become really important. And um, the good thing about an accountant as well is that obviously in our trade, and I'm sure most trades, you get quite sort of caught up in going to work, and you may people may forget to do their returns or whatever. Um, but having an accountant, you know, my accountant, she's always. She's always on the phone saying, you know, you've got to do this. I need you to send this in. And she doesn't yeah. let it go. You know, they, they keep on at you until you do it. 
and you know you need people like that because yeah. we're too busy you know at auctions or whatever um but yeah that was when i decided that i was gonna get a premises was when i bought my house i just didn't want to go through that anymore you know that whole yeah worrying about the neighbors thing i mean where i live now in in the house i live in it would be ideal to sell cars from you know it's a detached house it's got a big drive i've got space all over the place to store cars um but i just don't want to do it anymore you know i i I hate the idea of not getting on with neighbors and you know having to be nice to neighbors to try and keep them on your side so they don't blow the whistle and things like that you know i just don't want any of that hassle yeah um and you know that was the right time i just knew that it was the right time to take on take on our premises and um and was it it hard to find the premises then because it was, yeah, because yeah, that, that, that again, was my biggest struggle. Find it, yeah, you've got yeah. to be patient, it, haven't you? You have, you have. There's not that many places, but well, it certainly isn't where I am. I'm in Essex, it, it certainly there isn't many places here that are suitable for what we want to do. But the biggest problem I had, or I found when I was looking for premises, is most places won't take motor trade. As soon yeah. as you say motor trade, they're pulling the yeah. shutters down. And why do you think that is? Well, I spoke to quite a few people about that, and um, there, there's two reasons from what I've found out. The first one is that they, they're, they're concerned that motor trade, they've got this reputation of sort of leaving cars with no wheels on, they're draining all, the oil all out all over the floor, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. They, yeah. There's this common misconception that motor trade are just a general nightmare to deal with as tenants. Um, and I'm sure that's true to some degree. You know, I, I can imagine there are people that are like that, but that's not just the motor trade. You know, that's just in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the second reason is, and this is the one that I found was more, more common, was if you're looking to take on a, a, a commercial unit on an estate, for example, you tend to find that the estate has its own kind of authority by itself. If it's if it's owned by a freeholder in its entirety, it's got its own kind of law if you like and they don't want most trade on there because it might have communal parking and that's all taken up oh, by yeah. people leaving their park X's in there and they just don't ever move them i know yeah. there's one site i went to look at and it was ideal there's all there was all my business associates on this estate that i've been using for years absolutely ideal it was the place that i'd always said if i was going to get a unit that's where i wanted to be and um one came up right at the time i was buying my house so it was like it was like the match made in heaven. It was, it was the time had come together just as I'd wanted. Went to look at it, still had a tenant in there. But as soon as I put my offer forward, the landlord said, no motor trade, no chance. And the reason was, was because he was like the manager for the whole site. And he'd said that there was enough motor trade on there already because there was abandoned vans there where people had started fixing them up and just left them. Oh, and right. to be fair, there are cars and broken down trucks and stuff everywhere. I know it sounds, yeah. I'm making it sound like it's untidy. It's quite a tidy state. But all the communal car parking spaces are all just completely jam-packed with yeah. untaxed cars and just, you know, just rubbish. And yeah. he was worried that by adding someone else from the most trade, it was going to be even worse. So it's a shame because that was ideal for me. But I managed to find somewhere else and, um, you know, that all worked out right. But I just kept at it, you know. If you can't yeah. get it yeah. right the first time, just keep going. And and the place that you, you've got now, had it already been, was it all just ready to get in and get kitted it out? It was. The walls were painted, everything was all done. Obviously, they want it like that when I, when I move out, but 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was ready to go. It was just literally, you know, sign on the line and away I went. It, it, yeah, it's good. And it's been, it's oh, been brilliant. brilliant. One of the and, best things I've done. Oh, brilliant. So it's, it's like that saying, uh, tough decisions, easy life, easy decisions, hard life. So even though it was a, it was a hard decision, it's made your life a lot easier now, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, to be fair though, I don't regret those earlier days trading from home. I know there'll be people listening that are still in that boat. Yeah. And you've got to do that because that's part of the foundations. You know, you're building, you Definitely. should be building a pot um, and Definitely. learning a lot about, you know, how things work. You don't want to start taking on bigger overheads before you've really got your sort of foundations down and you start concentrating on building quicker when you, when you really know what, what you're doing and how things work. Yeah, definitely. You've got you've you've definitely got to start at the bottom and work your way at yeah. the top. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like you think, like you said, selling that punt, or you thought, oh, that's it, I've made it. But there's so many ups and so many downs. My favourite saying, it's a feast and a famine. You can have best months ever, and then some months you just say, like, say we've got forty cars in stock, we might only do eight some months, and you think, oh my god, what, what what's going on yeah. here? So you've, you've got to prepare yourself for them bad months as well, haven't you? Yeah. And I think a good way of doing that is, um, this is something that my dad taught me when I was starting out in this game, is when you, if you set yourself like the amount, if several of you are a one-man band or whatever, if you take the same amount of money home every month, regardless of whether you have a good month or a bad month, I, that for me works a lot better for me mentally. So, it, you know, it, what I'm really saying is, Rather than having a good month and then taking a lot of money home and you know having a great couple of weeks, you know, going on holiday and doing all these yeah. sort of things, but then you know you've, you've taken a lot of the profit out. But then when you have a bad month, you've got nothing to sort of pay that back if you like. So if you yeah. spread it out with even when when you have a bad month, at least you you haven't gone too mad on the good months where it's now all leveled out. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, oh, it's Definitely, you know, definitely. And I think that's a good advice. As long as you, you keep yourself level, regardless of whether you have a good or bad month, it works better for me personally, mentally, on those bad months where I haven't got, you know, I, I can fall back on the better months, you know. So it, it does yeah. equal out at the end of the year. And, and sometimes as well, what you've not got to get carried away with is when you're having a good month and you think every month's going to be a good month because yeah. it's not, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I remember when my very one of my very first months for me, I I have three good three really good months a year. It's February, May, and October. Don't know why, right. but those three months are always I can rely on those months to you know be really yeah. good. And the first, the very first February I had, I think I had eight cars in stock. I sold ten in that month, oh, and brilliant. this was all off of um, this was all from obviously at home. This was back five, four or five years ago. That was th- at that point. I thought I'd made it. I was like, "Yeah, I've cracked the <laughs> yeah. code." You know, I know exactly what I'm doing. I've got the advertising tools. Oh, you like, I've got to go and buy a Rolex watch. Yeah, that's yeah. As I said to you the other day, that's exactly what I did. And I bought all new clothes. Bought a Rolex watch. Bought everything. I thought I was going to get it. <laughs> I thought I was absolutely sorted. And then March rolled round, and I'm not selling anything. <laughs> and I was like. Oh no! What have I done wrong this month? Yeah. What, what can I replicate what I did last month? I've got to buy the same stock again. I've got to advertise it the same. But it doesn't work like that. It's just, as you said before, sometimes it's yeah. just yeah, and you just got to try and level it out if you can, because it is like that on this trade. It really is a roller coaster. You've got to level Definitely. it out as much as you can. So you get into your, your unit, and then yeah. um, you took on a stocking facility. 
Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was. It was something that you know. It, it was worth doing. I'd I'd seen other people talking about it, and um, I thought, you know, is there any way I can? You know, I was just thinking, is there any way I can I can take on someone else's money to try and cover my uh, expenses for the unit for the month and maybe yeah. pay a little bit of interest for the for the privilege or whatever and um you know i'd, I'd been reading some things about what people said i know you had nick on the other week or whatever it was and i've seen him commenting on the part in the past about close brothers yeah. facility yeah and um I, I obviously i'm with close anyway and uh, i was having discussions with my rep about it and it seemed a good thing to do you know i took on the minimum facility um just just taking it on you know you don't pay for it if you just put like an overdraft don't pay for it if you're not using it um and the way i saw it was it it gives me an opportunity to to potentially buy stock that i wouldn't normally buy yeah and i'm buying bread and butter stuff normally i may see something at auction and think you know that's going particularly cheap i wouldn't want to tie my own money up into it because you know i, I use that for the things I'm, I'm i'm more familiar with yeah and um you know having that by my side is a, is a great facility and I, I know I, and i recommend anyone to to look at their options with a stocking facility because it, it particularly with crow's buttons it is so cheap to have yeah um it, it's not quite a, the deal isn't quite the same as what it would be with someone like next gear for example where next gear do fund the entire purchase price of the car so if you're buying a car for auction for say ten thousand uh next gear would fund that entire amount yeah. Um, whereas if, if you're using the close facility, I think it's 70% of the purchase price. So you buy it for 10,000, obviously they're going to back 7,000. Yeah. You've got to find the remaining three, which is still, you know, it's a great deal because obviously it, the, the, the amount you're paying back in interest is minimal as well. So it's worth doing. Um, even if you only use it every now and then, you know, yeah. like the only trouble I had with next year was you're paying for that facility, even if you don't use it. So, I didn't like that. You know, you've got to pay, I think yeah. it's 250 pounds a year, something like that. Plus you've got to pay for the audits. Even if you've, if you've got one car on the facility, you've got to pay for the yeah. audit unless you're using more than 70 or 80% of your facility. I think it was. And I just didn't like that. You know, I had the opportunity to close and I went down that road and yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with the way it's working at the moment. It's very easy to use as well, isn't it? The, uh, the portal and all that. But yeah, See, yeah. I was I was with Next Gear, and, and again going back to the forums. If I if I hadn't have been on the forums, I would never have took on any sort of debt. It completely changed my uh, mindset. Yeah, no, it did me as well. I think I think I probably would have dawned. It would have dawned on me eventually, but yeah, I do, I don't know when that would have been. I think the real the real point of this is like what we were saying when we were speaking on the phone the other day, Dave, about uh, good debt and bad debt. It's it falls into the good debt category because it's making us money yeah. and a bad debt would be something like borrowing 10 grand from the bank, paying back 11 grand and then going to Vegas and having a good time. Yeah. That that's obviously bad debt because you're just going to come back with nothing and you're paying it off for God knows how long. And it's not, yeah. you're not getting anything out of it other than a memory. Whereas obviously with a stocking plan or even a small loan, or business credit card, whatever, you know, they, they, all these things are worth yeah. looking at. As long as you make them work for yourself and you, you're disciplined with it and don't start spending it on, you know, a car for yourself or using the, using the facility and driving about, you know, having a flash car and 
it, it end up getting out of hand, paying too much interest on it, not selling yeah. it within the time frame they want you to sell it in. You've got to be disciplined with any type of debt. That would be, you know, that is, that's advice I would give to anyone's debt Definitely. is something that you've got to be very careful with. But yeah, but I, I, I've been doing finance for quite some time. Um, it's just the stocking loan. It's, it's been a good move. And um, I know you've, you use a similar facility, don't you, yeah. Dave? And I'll certainly I'd recommend it to people if you are eligible. I'm not sure what eligibility criteria is. but Well, again, it's going back to having good having a good accountant, getting your account set up all well again. Because when we went for the stocking loan, because we had good accounts, it was just, it was a breeze. We got it, no problems. Now, I remember having to send all that over. I remember my um, close rep asking for, uh, I think it was accounts, bank statements, that sort of thing. You know, if you're doing it all properly, like, 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 like you should be, these kind of things become less of a problem. You know, it allows you to move forward uh, more effectively, you know, by yeah. doing things correctly in the first, in the first instance. Yeah, definitely. That, that's what I'd say to anyone starting out. Just Yeah, and there are opportunities to, you know, not, not be like that. Yeah. Um, particularly with cash and things like that, but it's gonna it's gonna hinder you later on because you know we do need a lot of capital in order to, to run our businesses, and if you do want to grow, particularly at a, at a quicker rate than what you may do organically, you're gonna need to borrow some money, and yeah, yeah. it's that's not a bad thing. You know, borrowing money is a very wise thing to do in our in our um, profession because you you can grow at a quicker rate borrowing the right type of money at you know the right price yeah um, a, a bit like using the, the stocking facility you know it's just what we were saying a minute ago it's a very good price to to, to borrow that sort of money and um things happen quicker obviously when you've got when you've got more stock that you know it's a fact isn't it so it's worth bearing that in mind as an option you know which is the stocking facility definitely and another thing what makes me always feel better is you know the big main dealers they're all on a stocking facility oh yeah richard yeah, branson almost all of it alan sugar <laughs> yeah they, they use you know they use bank loans they use they use the, the bank's money to, to grow yeah. their their money so you know yeah, some, why not some people get a bit snobby about oh you've got a stocking loan but i think yeah know. i think you're mad if you don't because you know using someone else's money to take the chances that you may, like I was saying earlier, some of the cars that I've had in stock recently, I just wouldn't have stocked if it wasn't for the stocking line. I wouldn't have bought them. They're just, they're not on my usual criteria. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, now I see how they sell. I see the type of customer they attract. I may then decide you know, that's not what I'm going to do or I am going to start selling more of them, you know, whatever. It's just yeah. opening more avenues that I wouldn't have normally had if I hadn't taken on that facility. So in the time you've been doing this, have you had any big losses then that you've had to swallow? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we, we all get them. Um, some of them I'm still swallowing that bitter pill now <laughs> because I've, I've got them in stock still and uh, I haven't even advertised them yet and I'm already making a loss. Yeah. Um, I've, the ones that have really caught me out the most have been, um, those four cylinder petrol BMW engines. Oh, I've just, I've had a nothing but nightmares with them. I've only ever had a few, and I think out of the three I've had, two of them have been pretty much write offs. Um, I've got one in at the moment. I've got a white E93, you know, the convertible 11 plate <coughs> um, with red leather. Lovely looking thing. Bought it with an engine light on, which was my first mistake. 
and it, it just doesn't run right. Can't get it running right. Put injectors on it, check the timing chain, done everything. And it yeah. is awful. It's the worst running car I've ever had. It barely even runs. And um, I've had my mechanic look at it. I think it's down on compression. So it's basically a write-off of the engine. I've had this car ages because I've just pushed it to the back of the queue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, just I thinking. Know, like, I've, I've got a, uh, a Vauxhall Vivaro flipping out. I've had it three years nearly. So. Oh, blimey, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that long. <laughs> I'm talking months. Yeah, it's um, needed an engine in it for ages and they're just right hard to find. But yeah, oh, really? I know what you mean. It's awful when you get them, isn't it? What yeah, do you no, think you'll uh, lose on that then? I don't know. To be honest, I don't know how I'm going to out it at the moment. I, I really don't. I've, I've got a few ideas, but either way, I'm going to be 2,000 down on this at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that that sounds, you know, it is, it is too grand. It's obviously a big yeah. loss, but that is unfortunately just part of what we do. You can't, you can't buy mint Definitely. cars all the time. And, you know, ultimately that is the reason why some people buy exchange their cars because they know it's got a fault. They've probably had it diagnosed, had the bill and it's yeah. just cheaper to just get rid of it. But I remember seeing some advice on the forum about six months ago, something like that. Where I can't remember who it was now, but someone was saying that they just don't buy cars with engine lights on. I must say, since I've I've taken that on, with this BMW being an exception, since I've I've adopted to that same sort of the rules, those rules, I've got I've had a lot less hassle. You know, my cars have yeah. been a lot better, yeah. and I think it's right. Well, whoever it was was saying that nine times out of ten, if you if you're going to buy a car out of auction with an engine light on. They've, whoever's part exchanged that has probably had it diagnosed. They've tried to fix it nine times out of ten. They're going to have seen the light, take it in. Mechanics thrown the book at it and said, "Look, just get rid of it." And then we end up picking up the bill because we buy it thinking we're going to put, you know, a set of spark plugs and it's going to fix the problem. And the chances are it doesn't. For me personally, and again, some advice for people that are starting out, you know, just don't get involved. In even the slightest problems when you're starting because. If you haven't got the contacts as well, you know, you're not going to get this sort of thing done at a reasonable price either. So, yeah, staying away from that kind of thing. And I'm going to carry on doing that moving forward. And hopefully I'll have a few, a few um, less losses uh, for the rest of the year. A, uh, a trader said to me the other month, basically, when they're having a really good month, that's when they try and get rid of the, the, the cars that, that, you know, they've lost money on. They're having to take a bit of a pill. I mean, and I thought, you know what, that makes good sense that, you know, you're doing well and then you don't notice it as much. But if you're having yeah. a bad month and then you sell it, 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 it you think, oh, God, bloody hell. But yeah, no, if, I think if you're riding now, you feel a lot better, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you tend to, it's, it, as you say, it waters it down a bit as well. So Definitely. We, we had February, we had an absolute banging month. It was brilliant. And uh, before Christmas, we bought a Nissan Duke. And it had a gearbox problem, cost two grand to put a gearbox wow. in it. And we had this really good month in February and we just like reduced it and we got rid of it in that month. And it was like, we didn't even see it. You know, we took a good really? part X with it and the part X is oh, lovely. You've got to think that, haven't you? You've got to think, right, this, this, if you have, if you have fixed a car and you're losing two grand, you can make that back on the part exchange, can't you? But right, so yeah, I've got a few questions to ask you, if that's okay. Yeah, go on. So yeah, uh, best bit of advice you've had as a car dealer? Yeah, um, I think don't don't be a busy fool is probably the one of the one of the best pieces of advice that I've had. 
when I started out, as I said earlier, I used to try doing everything. You know, I, I was trying to take on repairs, uh, smart repairs, all sorts of things to try and save a few quid here and there. And I was just that busy for that, you know, you don't want to be. And I could have spent that time investing into other things that were actually going to, you know, help me out and at the time and make me progress at a quicker rate. I know that, you know, they pay off a bit more now, but at the time I, I needed to get involved more with buying stock going to auctions and generally kind of feeling it out at auctions. But I wasn't. I was stuck at, at home trying to sort of tinker with cars that ultimately ended up down the mechanics anyway. You know, I was, yeah. I was wasting a lot of time and I was just a busy fool doing things that weren't relevant. So my advice to someone starting out is, you know, do what you're going to be doing best, which is buying and selling cars. Leave all the bits in between to, you know, the professionals. Yeah, Definitely. But I think we all make that mistake, don't we, in the beginning? You, you learn the hard way, don't you? Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, you don't know, do you? I mean, unless you've been in business before, yeah. um, you just don't know. And uh, it, for me, I wanted to try and make as much money on each car as possible, and that meant not taking it to people that were going to charge me. I thought I could fix it myself, but yeah. it just took too much time, and sometimes you'd yeah. make it worse or you know, it'd end up down yeah. in mechanics anyway. So he's just, just leave it and get on with, you know, something else. Yeah, definitely. hundred um, yeah. percent. So what apps, programs could you not live without as a car dealer? I get on well with that, <laughs> that Volkswagen. Uh, oh, what Nick said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he said about that the other day, I laughed because I think most of us have been using that for, I can't believe it's still free to be honest, but um, uh, most of us have been using that for, quite a while to be honest um it's a good it's a it's a good little sort of app or website whatever because i have it on my um like the toolbar across the top of my screen where if you've got someone in front of you that wants to part exchange a car or sell you a car yeah it's a really quick way of just getting an instant valuation that is going to be the same valuation that most other people are looking at if they've got cat guides or whatever um because you know if you if you value a car using um the retail check section of auto trade, that's not always in line with oh. cap valuations. Oh. And you know how it's like. Sometimes it's it's way too high. Sometimes it's way too low. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so actually giving someone a price who's in front of me, having uh, the, a free cap guide is uh, is invaluable for me. So that's that's certainly one of the the apps that I can live without. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. And. Um, do you use like uh, Zero, QuickBooks, or anything like that? Um, no, because all my, as I say, all my accountant, yeah. uh, my accountant does all that sort of stuff. I, I use Excel for um, a spreadsheet to keep track of my, you know, my profit rolling forward each month, each year, um, and this spreadsheet, it's um, it's quite good. You know, so I, I, I've got graphs on it, so I can see like a um, you know the, the curve of how the year is going, and it, it, it shows you previous years as well. So I, I know like the, how the growth is working, and things like that. It's, it's, and it's just things I've I've actually made it myself. I've just I've just been you know tinkering with it over the years, and I think Excel is a really good program to use uh, because it's free, and you know you can play about with it yourself. You know it's quite easy to learn how to use, and um, 
you know, you need to you need to do your own bookkeeping. I don't just mean sending your accounts to your accountant. I mean, or you know, getting your accounts from. Them. I mean, more an immediate way of looking at what each car owes you, how much you're going to make if you sell it for you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and obviously, I put all my outgoings on there as well, so I can immediately see how the month's looking. I couldn't live without Excel. That that is something that. Yeah. You know, if I ever lost that Excel program that's on my computer, I'll be I'll be lost entirely. <laughs> yeah. I, I need that, um, and you know, I I, I love using it because it's free as well. So yeah, yeah. So where do you want to be in five years' time? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I just want to keep going on the on the on the same road that I'm on now. You know, I don't have any specific goals for five years' time because I feel as if as long as I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to be happy in five years. I'm so pleased with the way things have worked out for me over the last five years that even if I'm in this position in five years time i'm going to be really happy about that but my i I do want to i do want to buy another premises i know we were talking on the phone about this the other day um you know where i am here as we were saying it's difficult to buy a buy to let down here because it is property prices are so expensive and you know deposit being what was we saying 20 25 percent on a buy to let you know it's that that could that, that that's that's you know 50 60 80 thousand and you know that that could be taking up a large chunk of my working capital but but you know again i'm thinking about commercial premises as well and i'm not going to rule that out um that is the sort of thing that is the road i want to go down you know five years ago i i could only dream about owning my own house um and it happened you know yeah. so I would like to think in five years' time, um, I've done that again with either a buy to let or um, a commercial premises that I'm working out of. You know, the, the quicker you build your cars up, like how far you've come in five years is amazing. So in another five years' time, the way I look at it, like cars are sort of a vehicle to buy property, rental properties. Um, yeah. your, your cars is sort of like your fast income. And then if you can buy some property to rent out commercial or residential, that's your slow pounds. And then that gives you mm. leverage to buy more cars. It gives you as well, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to ever retire from this, but if I ever wanted to slow down, it'd be just nice having property in the background, keeping everything yeah. going. You know? Yeah, I mean that's definitely a sound investment, isn't it? It's it's the ideal goal, I suppose, for most people yeah. um, to you know have those type of regular incomes where you're not working for that. But you know, it's not it's not it's not a, something that most people can achieve. Though, is it? You know, you, you need you do need a fair amount of capital to be able to take things on, like buy to let. And um, at a younger age, it is difficult, particularly if your mind is so sort of set on growing a business. Yeah, I know how much it took. You know, my concentration away by my house last year. I had a fair few months of not doing a lot of business, and that was because I was so caught up in what I was doing with my house that my business had to take like a back seat and. It hurt me to do that. It's just I knew this was my one opportunity to buy a house. So yeah. um, doing the both without any staff is is, is difficult, but you know, yeah. as I've proved, it, it is possible. Yeah, definitely. But maybe in five years' time, you're going to have a couple of staff there and then yeah. give you the time to 
like do yeah, this what I, you want to do i think i'll put i think i will i mean staff is something I, I i am going to i am going to go down that road because uh i just don't like the selling as much as you know what what so I know Nick was talking about this the other day. Most people he talks to just they they want to move away from the selling aspects of this job, and I yeah. I do enjoy the buying and the the managing process yeah. of the prep and everything else Prepping. way more so than the selling that the, the dealing with people on a daily basis. It's different dealing with people when you work for yourself because it's a lot more personal. Like when I buy a car from auction. If I'm in person, which is rare, but you know it does happen sometimes. If I'm in person buying it in the hall. I've been there almost from like the very beginning of when that car becomes mine, all yeah. through the you know the test and the prep and the the stocking process of it sitting there waiting. It's difficult to then have someone who hasn't seen it in that come along and tear the car apart when yeah you know so that's something that. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. making money on that car. Yeah. That's something that this is what puts food on the table and the roof over my head. Is I don't, you know. Yeah. Whereas if I was working for someone else, I don't really care because you know if that guy goes, you know, it's not nothing to do with me anyway. It's a big commission or whatever, and I'll just see him as he was never a customer anyway. But you know, when it's for yourself, it, it's a lot more difficult. So if I could have someone in doing that job instead of me, um, yeah, it, I think. It, my life would be a lot easier and you know i'd be interested to know what if anyone's listening to this and they're in that position where they've they've done the job that i'm yeah. currently doing and yeah. they have taken on staff um, maybe more than one and taken that back seat um how they've found that you know that, that affects them mentally when they're not dealing with these people <laughs> you know we all know what yeah. i'm talking about here, yeah. the way yeah, people yeah, are yeah yeah definitely um, you, you know you can, it's, 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 you can get some weeks can't you where just every customer seems to be a bit of a nightmare, right. you know, not very yeah. pleasant it's, coming in. No, you try to be right. nice with everyone and, and then like you yeah. say, you've, you've done all this prep to this car and then someone's ripping it to shreds. It can yeah. put you in a really bad mood, can't it? It can, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you could be in that bad mood when someone else comes in and it's, you know, it's not yeah. nice for them. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm on yeah. the back foot expecting this person to be the same as the last guy. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, no, it isn't. It isn't nice, and that's the part of the job that over the years it, it's kind of it start. It, it wears me down now. You know, I yeah. I, I, I would like to see less of that. Um, yeah. And it, it was even harder trading from home. You know, if you could imagine those type of people that we're, we're talking about, um, Dave. You know, where they're 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 yeah. difficult to deal with. If you can imagine them being in your house negotiating with you, where not far from where you eat your dinner in the evenings, not far from where your family <laughs> spits. You know what I mean? You just don't need that in oh, your house. No, no. Okay. Looking back, so- I, don't, I don't know how I've done it. I do not know how I've done it. Me, oh, I my wife were on about it the other day and she said, you used to bring some random people in our house. And yeah. No, but you've got to do it though, haven't you? I mean, that's yeah. the way you made money. So, oh, definitely. It's what gets you started. I wouldn't knock it, it is. in a million. No, years. no. no You've got to do it. But for those people starting out, like just you might think, oh, that won't bother me, you know, but it, it will because it yeah. is, it is it very does. difficult mentally. You know, it's different with some situations where people are set up at home, they've got a separate out house, separate out building, where yeah. it all goes on and it's all separate to their main building. Um, great. You know, that's lovely if you've got a property like that. Um, unlikely if you're just starting out but you know if you yeah. do that's great it, i'm talking about actually bringing them into the house where 
yeah. these deals are taking place, you know, where you sit down and relax in the evenings and you've had people in there doing, I don't know, it's just, it's not good. And <laughs> that was one thing I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get away from that. And I don't miss it at all. So have you got any favorite quotes you can leave us with? Hmm. Uh, he who dares wins. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Brilliant. I, I don't know. Is, is that your actual nickname with all your mates, Delboy? No, it's not. No, no. They, um, I know that's my forum name. <laughs> no, I've been. Uh, I'll be waiting for that question. And I was. I was prepared for that. But um, no, not really. I don't. You know, in reality, the quote's not really. I, I do often say to people. I often say, "Make it happen." You know, when when people come, I've got family members and sort of younger friends and things like that who often say oh john you know oh, I, I can't do this or uh, i want to try and get promotion or i'm trying to you know i always say just make it happen you know if it's something you really really want and there's an opportunity you will make that happen and that's like a quote that i always live by particularly since i've been self-employed you know when i look back at some of the things i've overcome and we've only touched on them on, on this podcast but some of the things I've I've just had no choice but to make it happen, yeah. and those things have ended up happening. And even though it was against all odds, um, it has happened. And you know that's my advice to people listening to this: if you're sort of in two minds, even if it's about the motor trade or anything, if you just adapt that as you, you just if you want something enough, and you will really, really make it happen. It, it, the chances are it will. And um, I, I live by that, and I, you know, that would be my advice to anybody you know, going forward. So, John, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Dave. It's been yeah, mate, where, where can people find you? What's your business, business name, your, your social medias, all that stuff? Yeah, yeah my, my business name is JH Motors. Um, the website is jh-motors.co.uk. Uh, same as what Mesh was saying the other day, if... Um, you know, if anybody wants to contact me with, you know, if they want advice or anything really, just, you know, to, just to someone to talk to if they're starting out. And, you know, I know I needed that. And I had the forum, obviously, when I started and I had the guys on the other end of the forum. And I'm, I really am grateful for everybody that's on those forums. And also, you know, in particular, the auto trader forum from back in the day. Yeah. Um, those guys on there, you know, I, I owe my my career to, to most of the people on those forums. Yeah. and. I want to repay, even if them guys want to speak. You know, I know how lonely this job can be sometimes. Um, I'm, my, you know, I'll be on the other end of the phone, sort of day and night. And you know, again, that goes for for newbies as well. If they want to talk or any advice, um, you know, just pick up the phone. I'll, I'll always be on the other end of the phone. That's brilliant, that mate. And yeah, same here. I'd like to voice that as well because that auto trader forum back in the day. If, if I didn't have that. I don't think I'll be where I am now. No, definitely. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Take care. No worries. Thanks, Dave. So I hope you enjoyed that episode with John from JH Motors. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us in iTunes.